Ahoy, and welcome in to Not Allowed to Die, your podcast about mental health, where I, Dan Magler, social worker and life enthusiast, talk about dilemmas that I'm seeing in my private practice as a therapist, in my work as a school social worker, and answer questions that you email into me at daniel.magler at live.com. Alongside me, as always, is Mariska, the three-tooth Patterdale Terrier, and she is feeling up and frisky tonight, so hopefully there will not be any snoring during this episode. Mariska is doing a little bit of licking of the paws, and we all know what that means. That means you, the person listening to this right now, is being challenged to rate and review the podcast. Because when you rate and review the podcast, and you give a couple words, and you give us five stars, it has a soothing effect on Mariska. And if you care about animals, and you believe in the role that they can play for people's mental health, I would also encourage you to check out Paws for Patrick and spread the word about it. Paws for Patrick is an organization dedicated to bringing the love of animals to the people who need it the most. So if you know of people who have mental health issues who could benefit from getting an emotional support animal, please encourage them to check out pawsforpatrick.org. So this evening, I am we're recording pretty close to Thanksgiving. And as we go into the holidays, it can be a really stressful time for people. So I thought I would just share some tips that maybe people have not thought about as much. Before I go much further, though, I want to make a plug for uh, if for any of you who have Netflix, I would really highly recommend the documentary Stutz, S-T-U-T-Z. If you're familiar with the actor Jonah Hill, this is a movie sort of love letter to his therapist. And so if you're a person listening to this, you're probably interested in mental health. And Stutz is not the stereotype of a traditional therapist. He is um, much warmer and filled with humor. And he's who I imagine I like to be. He, you know, he's who I want to grow up to be. So, but it's a, it's what this podcast tries to do. It takes you really behind the scenes of the thinking process of the therapist. And it's really kind of very meta of <laughs> how making this movie is even affecting their relationship. So the reason the movie was made is because Jonah Hill wants to, um, kind of bring light to all the great tools that his therapist has given him. And he wants to share them with all of us. And I think the movie does have some really awesome tools. But more than that, it's just about the importance of connection. So one of the things I'm going to say, most importantly, is if you are a person who's stressed about the holidays, you need to have something to look forward to. You need to say, I can get through Thursday, or I can get through this weekend, and I'm going to do something nice for myself. And maybe watching a great documentary, um, an old movie that's uplifting to you, going and just decorating for Christmas, whatever it is, baking something, you have to find that thing. And we have to make these days smaller. We have to say, if you're a person that for whatever reason, the idea of Thanksgiving is stressful, is tense, find one thing that you're going to enjoy about that day. Whether it's a particular food that one of my, I was talking to one of my coworkers and a fellow social worker, and she was saying, you know, there's really only two sides that I really like on Thanksgiving. So I make sure I make them and I make them exactly the way I want to make them. So if all the other food is crap, I know I'm going to have what I want to have. And so I highly recommend that idea. Find the things, the little things that are going to make getting through the holidays easier for you. When we think about any holidays, we are naturally set up to feel like failures because the hallmark vision of what a holiday could be is this wonderful, healthy family getting together. But in my experience, there isn't anybody 
who has a perfect family. So everybody is, you know, checking on Instagram and Facebook and seeing all the pictures of people and feeling like somehow their reality doesn't measure up. But if we were to zoom in or be able to step into that picture 15 minutes after the photo was taken, you know, there was a drunken argument between two people, or there was one person who was secretly dying inside, or there were three people who weren't there because they were, you know, dealing with some other issues. So I don't think anybody really has that perfect family. And I know right now, when we say the holidays, we're thinking a lot more about Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. But the stress of the holidays, I think an under-remembered stress comes from Mother's Day and Father's Day. For all the people who don't have a mother or father, maybe they never knew that person, maybe that person passed away, maybe they just have a really bad relationship with that person. And we think of all the good stories and the positive things, and those are put out in media. But I think we all, especially if we do have the privilege of having a happy time with our, a family, a group of people that we want to spend time with, remembering all the people who don't, and sending out some love, care, and compassion to them, even at least in just our minds. So some people that I'm thinking about a lot right now are some of my students and clients who, what, one issue is people who have issues with food. Because Thanksgiving is, I was talking to a client about it today, it's a day that's kind of like dedicated to disordered eating, binging to the point where you feel just gross. And for people who have anorexia or bulimia or just binge eating disorder, this, these days, the days and weeks leading up to it can create a lot of anxiety. How am I going to get through the day? For the people where it's a secret, where nobody knows they have an eating disorder, the question is, how do I, how do I manage this? And if you're a person who restricts, I would say, first of all, try not to focus on just the day. Try to realize that no matter what we do on one day, no matter what we eat ever, we are never gross. We are never a bad person because of what we eat. We may make healthier and unhealthier choices, but let's try to think about how did I eat that entire week before and that week after? And I might be able to indulge and eat some other things and not feel so bad. Try not to just fast for the entire three days beforehand. You're actually going to not have the best effect on your metabolism. So try to eat a little bit of something, you know, every day, and you can exercise before and then the days leading up. If you want to do one of those turkey trots or things like that, try to resist the impulse to exercise twice a day. If you're ever having that impulse and you are not a professional athlete or an Olympian or training to like appear in a Marvel movie, that's probably a little too much and not super healthy for your body. But so make good, healthy choices of eating some level of nutrients in the days leading up, drinking a lot of fluids and water and whatnot, and then on the day of allowing yourself to say, this is okay. There are no good or bad foods. Calories are just energy. And I'm gonna decide how I take them in and I'm gonna balance it out through the week. If you are dealing with family members, who are always trying to load up your plate. Instead of saying, oh no, I'm just not hungry. A suggestion might be, I, I recently uh, signed up for uh, Noom, that uh, it's a cognitive behavioral therapy app where you pay a little money for it and it helps you, for me, it's, it's logging my meals and my food. I have um, this, none of this thing called willpower. So when there's food in my geography, I just consume it. And there is no shut off in my brain of like, oh, you're pretty full, you shouldn't eat anymore. No, if, if it's near me and it's physically possible to get it into my body, I will want to eat it. And so knowing that when I 
And in my history, when I log what I'm eating, it makes me just be much more mindful of it. So that's been really helpful for me. And so that might be something that you try as well if you're a person who um, can just graze eat and just eat without, you know, consume without paying any attention to it. I will give a little bit of a warning for people who, if people who have eating disorders, Noom does encourage people to weigh themselves every single day. And I know for some of my clients, that's not a healthy thing to do. So if that's not a healthy thing for you, you know, maybe Noom is not the right answer, but you know, finding something that kind of helps you to feel like you are doing this appropriately, but, and also communicating. If you say again, like I'm trying to drink a lot of water. So if people are saying, well, oh, have some more of this. Well, I have this water goal. I mean, because pretty much anybody who's trying to be healthy and fit needs to drink more water. So saying I'm doing that. So before I eat anymore, I gotta, I gotta get through two more glasses of water. Another thing is just focusing on one food that you really are excited about. Oh, Aunt Margie's salad. I really like that. And when people see you're enthusiastic about some food, they start paying less attention and picking at you a little bit less trying to load up your plate. If you're a person and you have binge eating disorder, I was listening to a podcast just uh, yesterday morning and they talked about this woman was talking about how she'd been in therapy for over 30 years and had never brought up to any of her therapists that she suffered from binge eating disorder because she was too ashamed of it. She saw the idea of her, and this is the most, actually the most common eating disorder is binge eating disorder. But so few people will go get treatment for it because instead of thinking that they have a disorder, they just think they're weak and there's something bad about them. So we can get help for this. Again, one of the things though that can help us out generally is don't keep any many leftovers in your house that aren't healthy. Give them away or don't take any home with you. So give yourself, do yourself a favor and try to make the environment around you have less of it. So can, helping people to see that no matter what your situation is with food, that you are consuming something, people, the, the center of everyone's universe is themselves. And so if they brought, you know, the pumpkin pie or whatnot, they want to see everybody have a little piece of it. And so just trying to, you know, put things on your plate, you can eat slowly. And those, hopefully if you have a spotter, someone else that knows that you're dealing with this, that might be able to say, hey, ease off and let's not try to encourage this person a little too much. The same, the opposite can be true as well. If you have a family member who will make snide comments, oh, you really love the mashed potatoes, huh? And you're a person who, you know, you just want to have a decent day where you can enjoy food. That can be a really damaging and negative experience. So perhaps talking to that person ahead of time, if you can, or if you have another family member who can intercede and be like, talk to them, like, really, you just, you have to not make comments if, you know, Sarah wants to have two rolls tonight because it really isn't healthy and helpful. Oh, I'm just, I'm just observing. And sometimes people, they don't mean anything negative by it. That really is just their observation, but they don't realize how hurtful and insensitive those comments about what other people are eating can be. Another area we talked about on the last podcast is just the idea for queer people when dealing with holidays and family members who can be problematic in whether it's about, you know, their racial attitudes, whether it's about how much they drink, how much about you know, whatever there's, you know, homophobia or whichever. So if you are like a family member of a teen who's going to have to face being around family and whether they're out of the closet or not out of the closet, but they're out to you, making a plan with that person of how do you want me to support you in this? Do you want us to tell people ahead of time? Do you not? If people are making homophobic comments, how do you want me to interrupt them? 
So being truly an ally and encouraging people to you know, be aware that it, if you don't want to out this person, but somebody else is saying something vaguely homophobic, one of my favorite things to always say is, hey, you know, could you not? Because there are some people I really love who would be hurt and offended by that. So you're not saying that it's anybody in the room. You're just saying that it's someone that you love. And for a person in any group who, when others are talking negatively about the group that they're in and nobody sticks up for them, it makes them feel like everybody in the group is against them. So when you make that statement as an ally to try to interrupt, even if it seems like no one in the room is affected by that statement, you're, you're really doing a good thing. You're putting good out of the universe. And more often than not, somebody who is impacted, maybe nobody in that room is queer, but somebody that they love truly is their best friend, their uncle, you know, someone. So please try to interrupt the, you know, homophobic comments, racist comments, anything else like that, that are happening by family, especially when it doesn't personally affect you. So you have nothing to lose. You have no dog in that fight specifically. And that's why it makes your comment have more weight. When teens are at a gathering, I remember when I was a teenager, especially you know around sophomore, junior year of high school and senior year, people couldn't wait to ask me about two things that made you know me regularly uncomfortable. Oh, are you dating anybody? Are you interested in anyone? Try not to ask teenagers about their dating lives. They don't want to talk to you about it unless they really know you well. And if they really know you well, you probably already know what the situation is with their dating life. The other thing to not to try not to ask them about is college. This is something that so many of my students just dread. The, oh, are thinking about schools? Where are you thinking about going? It puts a level of pressure on that that they just do not want to need and deal with. If they want to talk to you about college, if they want to talk to you about romantic life, let the teenager bring it up to you. Do not try to insist on talking about to them about it. So some people are wondering, well, if I don't talk about those two things with them, what should I talk about? Well, try to notice something about their outfit that you like, whatever they're wearing, their shoes, their sweater, whatnot, and ask them about that. Or just, you know, <laughs> try to make a human conversation about sports, the weather, the food, anything. But try not to hit those areas dating. Because if you are dating someone, you might not want to share anything pieces about that. If you're not dating anyone, you might be sensitive there. So let's just leave those two alone. For people who are dealing with multiple homes that they have to go to due to a divorce situation, this can be really hard. And especially in a first year of dealing with it. Negotiating, you know, when do we leave and how do we hit from this home to this home? What I try to help my clients say is know that People who try to encourage you to say, oh, you're leaving already? Oh, like, wow, I'm so disappointed. Or they're making you go over there. A lot of these people mean well. They just want more of your time, energy, and attention. So be prepared. Kind of rehearse that in your mind of how you're going to interact with it and just get out. <laughs> go to the other home. Go do the other thing that you need to do. And understand that it's not, you don't have to convince anybody. You just have to do what's right for you. People dealing with grief and loss, and that's one that's very personal to me this year. We're going to be going over to my brother's house, and that's the brother that one of my brother who lost his son. And it's going to be our first Thanksgiving without my nephew Brian. And again, for me, I'm going to try to take a moment or two before going over there and just think about my nephew in a positive way and allow there to be a little bit of sadness in the air. I'm not going to pretend. I think. 
at my niece's wedding, my brother did a great job, and my niece did, of acknowledging the person that wasn't there. We weren't pretending that he wasn't around, but we also allowed the wedding, and they they did a great job of making the wedding be about the wedding, and that we can make new memories, but keep him in our memory and keep him with us as well. And so, but accept that that may be hard, particularly in those first holidays after losing someone. There are, uh, you can Google churches where they have blue Christmas services, which are particularly for people who um, have lost someone, that you might not be in a festive mood. You might not want all the regular Christmas carols. You might want something a little bit more somber. And so finding groups and you know support groups, whatnot, which may have things that are tailored to you. I guess the last thing I want to mention and talk about is the epidemic of loneliness. For all the people out there who just don't have anyone to celebrate with. I think for you, it's finding a way to make this holiday just something that works for you. Again, whether you're a person, it's Father's Day and you don't have a father, or it's Thanksgiving and you don't have any family nearby. Or maybe you're from a different country and there's just not, you know, it's not part of your cultural tradition. And yet, because of media, you're made to feel super alone. So again, do something for yourself. Try to find a way to be physically active, mentally active. Do something, watch a movie that you've always wanted to watch. It's a very common thing, you know, trope for Jewish people to go out for Chinese food on Christmas. So find something, again, this idea of chosen family. Let's try to link up, ideally, with someone else that may also be spending the day on their own and try to make a plan if you can. And if not, just indulging in reading your favorite books, watching your favorite movies, listening to great music, making a food, any kind of food. It does. It certainly does not have to be food related to that holiday. Maybe purposely go the other direction and make yourself something special. But finding a way to feel like you are taking care of yourself. This time of year, as I say, with less sunlight, seasonal affective disorder is a real thing. And making sure that we are finding a way to get help, to get care, and to not pretend that this will be the easiest time of year. The vast majority of people start medications in the wintertime because this is when they're feeling really kind of down. Let's really try to avoid the urge to indulge in alcohol. Alcohol is a mood amplifier. And if you are feeling down, that's going to increase that. So let's not amplify a negative mood if we're having one. Instead, try to do whatever it takes to do something that makes you feel proud of yourself. And if you can, volunteering is about the best thing that you can do. If you're feeling like you're going to be on your own, if you can go volunteer at a soup kitchen, at something else like that, then even if you're volunteering at that turkey trot, handing out bibs and water and all the other things. That, so do something, if you can, to be out of your house and to be social. So I hope for everyone who's listening to this, that this holiday season is finding you able to feel grateful and connected to someone and something. And again, when in doubt, animals. <laughs> they don't know what that day is, but they're super excited to spend it with you. So if you have questions for Mariska and me, remember, email us at daniel.magler at live.com. And until we speak again, do whatever it takes to get you through this world. Remember, you are just not allowed to die.